Andrew Womack Ministries presents this session from the 2013 Orlando, Florida Gospel Truth Rally. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Let's turn over to Mark chapter 11. And I want to share something with you tonight that a lot of people would consider this a faith teaching to build your faith. And it is that, and it'll help you. But I look at this as a teaching on the authority that God has given us as believers. And this is what I consider to be one of the most misunderstood things in the body of Christ. A matter of fact, I have a book. I don't have it up here as a sample, but I've got a book entitled The Authority of the Believer. And the subtitle of that is What You Didn't Learn in Church. Most of churches do not teach this. Most people have an attitude that God can do anything, but He has done nothing. And that we have to ask and plead and beg. And then after you give your petition, you just kind of wait and see how things go. And depending on whether you see your body get better, whether you see the finances come in or, or whatever, then you decide that he either answered my prayer or he didn't answer my prayer. But that is not what the Word of God teaches. Matter of fact, I could, I could spend an hour or two introducing this. I'll just introduce it with this statement and hope that you get it. But God has already done everything that he's going to do. God doesn't heal people today. God doesn't prosper you today. God doesn't save people today. He doesn't deliver people today. He doesn't give you money today. And I know some of you are thinking, man, I'm disappointed. I really need all of those things. <laughs> but I can give you a scripture on every one of those things that God has already done it. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He that gives you power to get wealth that he might establish his covenant, which he swear unto you as it is this day. God doesn't give you money. He has given you an anointing to get money. And you have to take it and by faith start doing something. He says, whatever you set your hand unto will be blessed. If you don't set your hand unto anything, a hundred times zero is zero. You got to go out and do something in faith and God his anointing flows through you and God prospers the work of your hand. Deuteronomy chapter 28. So see, if you're praying, oh God, I need money and you could be praying and fasting in your closet, God is not going to counterfeit United States currency and give it to you. It's not going to rain out of heaven. God has put an anointing. He has already put an anointing on the inside of you and you've got to believe and go out and start doing things to release this anointing. You could say the same thing about healing. The Bible says, 1 Peter 2, 24, the last part of that verse says, by whose stripes you were healed. God isn't healing people today. He's already healed every sickness and every disease. And when you get born again, He places this anointing on the inside of you. And He said in many different places, Matthew chapter 10 Luke chapter 9, he says, I give you power over all sickness, over all disease, and over all demons. And then he says in Matthew 10, I believe it's verse 8, you heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Most people are saying, oh God, heal me. 
God's not the one that's going to heal you directly. He's already generated His power. He's put it on the inside of us, and He told us to heal the sick. Thank you for that thunderous silence. Some of you are thinking, so you're saying that you heal the sick. It's not me. It's not my power. It's God's power, but it's in me. And see, most people approach God and they say things like, oh God, the doctor says it's cancer. God, I'm going to die. God, I can't do anything. Oh Lord, would you please stretch forth your hand and heal. You have already insulted God by a prayer by, like that because you were saying, I am nothing, I have nothing, but you could do it. The Lord said you have the same power on the inside of you that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. God's power isn't out there somewhere. See, this is, what, this is what leads to so many weird doctrines that we have in the body of Christ where they're trying to pray a hole in the heavens over Orlando so that our prayers can get up to God. That is a stupid doctrine. Was that too subtle? Anybody missed that? Somebody said, well, Daniel, the, the powers were blocking his prayer. Daniel was an Old Testament man, and it was different. In the New Covenant, you don't need your prayers to get through the heavens up to God. People will say things like, that prayer didn't get above the ceiling. You don't need your prayer to get above your nose. God's right here in your stomach, in your belly. That's the reason that you bow your head when you pray, so that you can say, Father, amen. <laughs> But we got these weird things about we've got to get our prayers up to heaven. No, God lives on the inside of you. His power is on the inside of you. And when you're saying, oh God, I have nothing, I can do nothing, but you can do all things, that's not glorifying God. You're denying the fact that He's already given you this authority and what you need to do is stand up and it says you resist the devil and he will flee from you. God and the devil have already met. Jesus won. There is no battle between God and the devil. There is no direct conflict between God and the devil. God placed his power on the inside of you, and if God isn't moving, it's because you aren't taking your authority and resisting and commanding the power of God to flow. It's up to you whether you get healed. It's not your power. It's God's power, but it's in you, and you're the one that flips the switch. And you know, there's a lot of people that hate what I've just said because you're saying, well, you're saying it's my fault. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and you know what? Most people don't want to accept that kind of responsibility because it's so much easier. It's a safer way to say, oh God, I have nothing, I can do nothing, but you can do all things. If it be your will, heal. And then if nothing happens, we just say, well, God is infinite. His ways are higher than our ways. God must not have wanted you to be healed. You don't have to assume any responsibility. And if they get healed, you say, thank God, I prayed for that. And it's a safe way to pray. But when you start praying and saying like, Paul, uh, like uh, Peter and John did in Acts chapter 3 when they were going into the temple, they found a man who had been lame from his mother's womb and they said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, 
give I unto thee. You know, he, they would have been kicked out of nearly any church in Orlando for saying that they had it. But the Bible says, they said, such as I have, give I unto thee. They didn't even pray a prayer. They didn't even ask God to heal this man. They said, I have it. And they said, be healed. And they reached down and grabbed him by the hand and lifted him up. And immediately he went walking and leaping and praising God. That is not popular because you know what? It makes us responsible. But I'm telling you that God has already done his part. And the reason that we aren't seeing greater manifestations of God's power isn't because there's not enough people begging God. We got plenty of people begging God, but we've got very few people that will take their authority and believe that I have the power of God and that I can release it with my words and they aren't speaking and commanding things to come to pass. I prayed for lots of people out here tonight and I'm not critical of anybody. I'm understanding that most people don't understand this, but the vast majority of people came and I've got this problem. Would you please help me? And they didn't come expressing their authority and saying, I know I'm healed. Would you agree with me? No, it was like, would you please do something? And they just come basically advocating their, only, their own responsibility and their own authority. I want to show you some verses tonight where Jesus taught about how to release the miraculous power of God. And if you can understand what I'm saying, this will change your life. It will change your whole attitude towards receiving from God. In Mark chapter 11 and in verse 12, it says, And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, unto the fig tree, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Man, this is an amazing, amazing thing. And if you read this over in Matthew's account of the exact same thing, it says anon or immediately the fig tree withered away. In this instance, it was the next day before they realized what had happened. So they went into the uh, Jerusalem. Jesus drove the money changers out of the temple and they went back to the same place that night, apparently the same way. And yet there was no difference in this fig tree. But look at this in verse... Uh, 20, it says, And in the morning as they passed by, this is as they were going back into Jerusalem, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Now again, Matthew's account says it happened immediately. This says it was 24 hours later. So which was it? It was both. It happened immediately, but it happened in the root. And it took about 24 hours for what happened below the surface to become visible to where you could see it. There's a great parallel between this and the way that we receive from God. Sometimes when you speak and command your body to be healed or you command your finances to come and you do whatever, you take your authority, you don't always see instantaneous results but there's things happening in the unseen realm, in the spirit realm. And it's just a matter of time until once you release your faith and your authority, you will see a physical manifestation in the physical realm of those things that you believe for. 
And if you don't understand that, there's a lot of people that pray and then open their eyes and if they can't see or feel the results, they think, well, nothing happened and you just aborted your miracle. There was things happening in the spiritual, in the unseen realm, but you just stopped it because if you doubt in your heart, you don't receive anything from God. But as the disciples went in, they saw that the fig tree was dried up from the roots. And look at this in verse 21. Peter calling to remembrance saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. You know, when you read this in the Bible, you don't, all, you don't get the benefit of hearing the inflection of the voice. But I can guarantee you, Peter didn't just say, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. <laughs> I believe it was more like they walked by and they saw this fig tree and realized that that's what, and they said, Jesus, look at this fig tree. You, you spoke to it. You didn't touch it. You didn't throw any salt on it. You didn't do anything, but you just spoke to this tree and it's dead. They were shocked. And Jesus, we can't hear his inflection either, but when he said, Jesus answered and said unto them, he didn't say, have faith in God. But I believe it was more like, guys, have faith in God. What's wrong with you? You've seen me raise the dead. You've seen me open up blind eyes. You've seen me walk on water. You've seen all of these things, and you're shocked to see a fig tree <laughs> die when I talk to it. You know, I believe that if the Lord, I believe He is speaking through me tonight, but I mean, if the Lord was here without having to use some physical vessel, if we could see and hear Him see him visibly and hear him audibly, I believe that Jesus, he would love us, he's passionate about us, but he would be very disappointed with his body the way that we are not walking in the supernatural. Matter of fact, you can turn to the 17th chapter of the book of Mark, Matthew, and you can see this because when his disciples brought a boy to him who was demon-possessed, had some type of seizure or something, and the disciples tried to cast this demon out and they couldn't do it, and they brought him to Jesus. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 17. He said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long am I going to be with you? How long am I going to suffer you? Bring him to me. He didn't say, Guys, I'm sorry. I was up on the Mount of Transfiguration. I was being glorified. I should have been here. Don't feel bad about it. After all, you're only human. No, he said, you faithless and perverse generation, I'm expecting you to operate better than this. I believe God loves us. He wouldn't be mad at us, but it grieves God that we are now his representatives and the vast majority of us approach him as if we have nothing, can do nothing, and we just beg and plead with him. And he has given us his power. I heard uh, a minister one time talking about, he was just begging God for more power. Oh God, give me more power. He was fasting and he was on a fast and begging God to give him more power. And finally the Lord spoke to him and he says, where am I going to get any more power? <laughs> and he thought about it for a minute and he says, the fullness of the Godhead is in you bodily. You are complete in him. You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. He says, where would I go to get any more power? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, most of us don't know it, but the truth is you are loaded. God's power is dwelling in you. And the average person says, well, you don't know me. You don't know you. 
I've got a teaching out there entitled Spirit, Soul, and Body that would transform your life if you would listen to it because most of us only know ourselves in the physical, natural realm. But in the Spirit, you are absolutely awesome. You are identical to Jesus in knowledge, in anointing, in power, in virtue. You've got everything in your spirit that you will ever have in all eternity. It's already in you now but it's in your spirit. And unless you renew your mind, it'll never get out. And this is where the battle is being lost. We don't know what we have and who we are. And because of it, we aren't taking our authority and using it. So Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, have faith in God. And then he told them how he performed this miracle. And it's the same way that you and I are supposed to release the supernatural power of God. Look at this in verse 23. He says, for verily, the word verily means truly. Did you know anything Jesus said was the truth? But for him to start off and say, verily I say unto you, he was trying to emphasize that what I'm telling you is the truth. Everything he said was the truth, but this was so unbelievable that some people might question it. And so he had to start off by saying, this is the truth. Verily I say unto you that whosoever, whosoever means in the Greek, that means whosoever. <laughs> that means anybody. I assume that every person in here is a whosoever. This will work for any one of you. I don't care if you're at the back of the room or at the front of the room, if you're male or female, it doesn't matter what's going on. God says this will work for anybody. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. This is an awesome, awesome passage of Scripture. There's a lot in this. I could preach on this for two or three hours. I'm going to go through some of these things quickly. But he's emphasizing, first of all, how important your words are. There's four times in this verse, it says that Jesus said, but then three times his instruction said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith will come to pass, he will have whatsoever he saith. Three times he emphasizes your words. And I tell you, this is powerful. Most of us don't understand the power that's in our words. Deuteronomy, excuse me, it's not Deuteronomy, it's Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Death and life. It didn't say death and life and a whole lot of just silly stuff and unimportant stuff that doesn't matter to anything. It says every word that comes out of your mouth is either death or life. Most people don't understand this. And it's not only true of your words, but this is true of every word that you hear. Every song that you hear, hear sing, every television program, every news broadcast, every book that you read, every magazine that you read, every word is either life or death. There is no middle ground. 
It either releases life or death. Most people don't understand this. And so they just allow the devil to come and speak terrible things over them. Matter of fact, most of us speak terrible things over ourselves, And we don't understand the power of words. If you don't agree with what Jesus said, if you don't understand the power of words, then you'll never see this kind of power manifest through you. You're going to have to start putting an importance on words. Our Western culture doesn't do this. You know, there used to be a time that if you gave somebody your word, they would die before they would violate that word. The scripture says that a godly man will swear to his own hurt and change not. But today in our society, people, words don't mean that much. You have to sign a contract, and then if you have a good lawyer, you can break that. People don't put much importance on words. They don't believe in it. But from God's standpoint, which is the only standpoint that counts, your words are releasing either life or death. And when a person comes up and asks you, how are you? And you say, oh man, I'm hurting all over. I feel terrible. This is wrong. This is wrong. My dog bit me. My, you know, this happened. And you just gripe and you talk about these people that cut me off in traffic. And you gripe and you complain. This is exactly what the Israelites did. They murmured. They didn't like the heat. They didn't like the cold. They didn't like the food. They didn't like the water. They didn't like this. Gripe and complain. You release power with your words. Every gripe, every criticism is releasing negative things. And some of you think, oh, I don't believe that. That's what the Bible says. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. The terminology here, it says you will eat the fruit. It's like every word that comes out of your mouth is like a seed and it's going to grow up and produce fruit. And if you gripe, if you complain, if you talk about your sickness, if you talk about how bad the economy is and, oh, man, I don't know how we're going to make it, and you listen to all of the unbelievers who don't have a relationship with God tell you what's going to happen, and you listen to that death, it produces fruit. And then you start agreeing with them and speaking it, and that produces fruit. And you will eat the fruit of your lips. You are eating the fruit of your lips. Your life is going the direction of your words. There are some of you saying that's not true. I've got cancer and I did not speak about cancer. I've never thought about cancer. I've not talked about it. I've not confessed I'm going to have it. But you know what you did? You've been saying things like, I'm only human. You know, singing this song, Lord, I'm only human. I'm just a man. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. You know what that is? That's unbelief because you aren't only human. One third of you is wall-to-wall -wall Holy Ghost. One third of you has the power of God. But there are many of y'all, I'm just a human, and you listen to people talk about cancer is incurable, AIDS is incurable, and you let those words come and you are speaking forth these things. And what you did, you didn't say, I want cancer, but you said, I'm only human. I can't overcome cancer. Cancer is incurable. You hear somebody talk about it and it causes fear on the inside of you. And you are reaping the fruit of what you believe and what you've spoken. Thank you again for that thunderous sign. 
You know, in 2008, when they started talking about the Great Recession and they started speaking all of this, that is right at the time that God spoke to me about our Bible colleges growing. We've got to start reaching out and we started believing God for growth and increase during a time of recession. In Colorado Springs, there's around 200 parachurch groups in Colorado Springs. And we have, you know, a relationship with many of them. And every single parachurch, I could tell you groups that have 300 and 400 million dollar uh, per year income. And every one of them started planning on 15 to 25% decrease before there was any decrease. They just heard the predictions and they started scaling back and cutting their budgets back and started laying people off when there wasn't any decrease. But they were planning on it. They listened to the doubt and the unbelief of the world. And guess what? Every one of them went down. Many of them went out of existence. During this exact same time, God told me that I needed to start believing for $53 million extra. We're building all of this facility debt-free. We aren't borrowing any money. And it takes me $2 million a month just to pay my television and radio bill to pay my employees and do what we're doing. So I had, on top of $2 million a month, I had to believe for another 53 million. And did you know in the last two years, we've had $26.2 million above our normal come in. We're bucking the trend. We're going against it. And some people think, well, I wonder how you did that. I tell you, a big part of it is you can ask Jamie, you can ask my staff, you can ask all, and I guarantee you, we have not been speaking lack. We've been saying that God supplies my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I'm not bound to the U.S. economy. You aren't either if you would believe it. But if you let that junk be spoken over you, then it bears fruit in your life. And most people don't understand this. They listen to the unbelievers gripe and complain and say all of these rotten things. You know, I was over in um, Scotland when the avian flu broke out over there and they were killing animals by the millions. You would drive by and see smoke going up in nearly every field. They were taking uh, chickens and all kinds of things. I was also over there when the mad cow disease came out and they were piling cows up 30 and 40 feet high and setting them on fire. And they did all of this stuff. And anyway, they were, uh, I heard a guy interviewed, he was the head of the British health system. And they interviewed him and they said, is there a danger of this avian flu uh, mutating and getting into humans? And he says, there is no question about whether it will happen. It's just a question about time. He says, it could be one year or two years, but one third of the world's population will die through avian flu. That was in 2007. And in 2009, I was back over there and I read in the USA Today that there was a total in two years, 2009, that there was a total of 12 people had died worldwide 
from avian flu. And I'm not saying that, you know, I don't, it's not that I don't care about those 12 people, but that's a far cry from being a pandemic where one third of the world's population, over 2 billion people die. And yet they do that. Did you know that you're in an area where hurricanes come through and you've had some bad hurricanes. And there's a guy in Boulder, Colorado with the National Weather Service and after I think it was Hurricane Katrina, he started prophesying that we are going to have more hurricanes. They're going to be worse. And he started saying that we are going to have more hurricanes than we've ever had. The next year, I think we had two. <laughs> and they were not even factors. And did you know for about the last five years, he's basically missed most of these hurricanes except Hurricane Sandy. Yeah, I mean, if you keep prophesying it, sooner or later something bad's going to happen. But he's missed it year after year after year. And some people think, well, that's just wisdom. You need to be prepared. No, it's not wisdom because you know what? They listen to these prophecies to set your insurance rates. And your insurance rates go through the roof every time somebody prophesies something that doesn't happen. It's not just wisdom. It's just fear-mongering. And people don't know what they're doing. You know, I'm not against anybody. I'm just saying that, brothers and sisters, God's the only person who's absolutely right all of the time. Everybody else are people. I prayed with four or five people tonight that had problems because of what the doctors did to them. I'm not against doctors. I just heard a statistic yesterday that... Um, well, I was listening to it on the internet today and they were comparing it to gun control type of stuff and they were telling about the, you know, there's a, a few hundred people, I forgot what it was, that die by gun violence every year and the leading cause of health issues in the United States is malpractice from doctors. There are hundreds of thousands of people that die every year from malpractice. The number one place to get infection in the U.S. is in a hospital. Am I against doctors? And that's not what I'm saying. If it wasn't for doctors, all the Christians would have been dead because they hadn't been believing God. I'm not against anybody, but what I'm saying is, brothers and sisters, a doctor is not God. A lawyer isn't God. The people on television, except for me, I'm not God, but I represent Him. But the, but the news people and all of this kind of stuff, that... You can't just take all of this stuff. You need to recognize that every word you hear is either releasing life or death. And if it's causing fear in you, that's death. God is not the author of fear. He is not the one that gives fear. If you're being worried, many of you are praying for joy and peace, and yet you're listening to the sewage and the trash of this world that takes away your peace and you can't understand why you're having problems. Proverbs, um, Proverbs chapter, Isaiah 26, 3 says, The Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. If you don't have perfect peace, it's because your mind isn't stayed upon God. You're looking at things, listening to things that take away your peace. I saw a bumper sticker that says, If you aren't, if you aren't disturbed, you aren't paying attention. And you know, in the natural, that's true. But if you are looking at things through the eyes of the Lord, he says, when you see all of these terrible things happen in the end times, lift up your head and look up for your redemption draws nigh. 
If you were looking at things through the Word of God, you'd actually be rejoicing. So anyway, I'm trying to say that it's not only your words, but it's every word. We just hear words of doubt and unbelief. We live in a culture of unbelief. If you're breathing, you've heard unbelief today. You've heard people saying things contrary to what God's Word says today. You're hearing people talk about the economy when God says that I'm going to supply your need according to my riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That exempts you from the U.S. economy. You can prosper because of God. I just read two stories on the Internet this week of people that have made billions off of just a little creative idea. One of them redesigned the bumper and it's now on probably every car that's represented right here. And the guy is a multi-billionaire through just making a better bumper. You, you are just that far away from total prosperity if you would quit letting the seeds of unbelief planted on the inside of you and speaking them out of your mouth. You could prosper, you can be healed. Jesus is saying that if you're going to see this kind of power released, you're going to have to get to where you believe in the power of words. Not only your positive words, but you've got to believe in the power of negative words and you've got to start countering them. Keep your finger here because I'm going to come back to it, but look over here in Isaiah chapter 54. This is a powerful passage of Scripture. And in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17, it says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, that shalt thou condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, thus saith the Lord. Man, that's a great promise. That's powerful. And notice it says, No weapon formed against you will prosper. And then immediately it says, And every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. That's saying that words, tongues are weapons. This is how Satan comes at you. Satan has to come with words. When the serpent came against Adam and Eve, he didn't come in a mammoth and put his foot on their head and say, Submit or I'll crush you. He didn't come in some kind of a line and try and intimidate them. He came through an animal and used words to deceive them. He had to plant thoughts in them that they had never thought before. I wish I had time to teach on this, but Hebrews chapter 11, verse 15, if you take it and study it out, it says you cannot be tempted with what you don't think. Before you can ever sin, sin has to be conceived in your mind and words are how we have thoughts conveyed. And you could not lust, you could not get into sin, you couldn't be angry, you couldn't be bitter, you couldn't do a lot of things if you hadn't had words that put those thoughts and things on the inside of you. It's like being in a mine. You can't go anywhere. You can't just walk through rock and dirt. You have to hollow out that thing and make a vacancy before you can step into that place. You can't just go places in your physical body that you haven't already been in your mind and you conceive those things through words. Most of us don't realize this and Satan is polluting us through words. It says that no weapon formed against you will prosper and every tongue, every word that comes against you, you have to condemn it. What does it mean to condemn it? Well, you know, when I'm driving down the road, I, I try and get my news primarily through the radio because they do it in two minutes. 
and they can't do that much damage in two minutes. But even getting my news over the radio in two minutes, you still hear a lot of trash. And they'll say things like, it's flu season. The flu is going to be really bad this year, which they, they aren't inspired of God to say that. That's not a godly prophecy. It's just human nature to predict the worst. And so they say all of these things. Last year was going to be one of the worst flu seasons in history. It was going to be a pandemic is what they prophesied. And it turned out being one of the least flu seasons in history. They missed it again. And yet many of you worried about it. Many of you went and were bothered about it. When I hear something like that and people say it's flu season, have you got the flu shot yet? I say no, because there is no season where the word of God doesn't work. Amen. I'll counter it and I'll say, no plague comes nigh my dwelling. Only with my eyes will I see and behold the reward of the wicked. And I'll talk and I'll condemn those words. I found out that when the moment I hear any doubt or unbelief, if I'll counter it right then, it's like it just water off a duck's back. It doesn't affect me. But if I'm afraid that I'm going to offend somebody, and so I don't say anything, and I wait until I get home and I have to start praying, I'll, I might have to pray an hour or two to be able to get those thoughts and stuff out of my heart. It's like words just start taking root instantly and they start bearing fruit. So I've learned to condemn it on the spot. I had a doctor one time tell me, you got a serious heart problem. We're going to put you in the hospital. We're probably going to do bypass surgery on you before the day's over. And I looked at him and I said, that's a lie. I reject that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and I guess this guy wasn't used to having people say something like that to him. And he just looked at me and I said, you look at that thing and tell me. And he says, well, really, this doesn't say you have a heart. You just might have a heart problem. I think we ought to go get it checked. And I said, you lied to me. You told me I had a heart problem. I said, that's not what you said. And I got on his case and he tore this paper up and he says, just leave, leave. <laughs> and I was trying to get an insurance that my board made me take out. So I, he turned me down and I had to go get another test. And I had a nuclear stress test where they stick this dye in you and they tested me and it turns out my heart, they said, was perfect. There wasn't anything wrong with it. But... And this doctor that gave me the nuclear stress test said those treadmill tests are wrong 50% of the time. They're as wrong as they are right. He says, never trust one of those. And yet I, I bet you that there's people sitting right here that have had a treadmill test. Somebody has spoken something negative over you and you let those words go right down on the inside of you because you didn't understand the power of words. I've had people come before and tell me all of these sicknesses and diseases that they got. And I say, do you have any pain right now or any symptoms? No, I don't feel a thing. I feel fine. And I say, how do you know you got it? <laughs> they said, oh, well, somebody told me. And I said, I wouldn't let anybody tell me I've got something when I can't feel it. <laughs> but there's people that you just... <laughs> anyway, I know you all think I'm weird, but I think you're weird. <laughs> Man, when I hear words that come against what God says, I condemn them. When they say it's a recession, I said, not for me. God told me to start building. And did you know that because we weren't operating in fear, I went and looked at a piece of property 
157 acres that was worth $10.2 million. Larry Bozeman and I went and saw it. And that was March the 21st. And in May, when we got ready to start building and we were looking for property, they had come down to $4 million. I got it for less than half of what they originally, and it has a $3 million lodge on it. I got 157 acres for basically a million dollars. This recession is one of the best things that ever happened to me. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you, your words are powerful. And Jesus said, if you are going to see this kind of power, you got to start believing in the power of words. He says, whosoever will say unto this mountain, most of us think, well, man, I better go get a shovel or maybe I better throw some salt on it or maybe I need to hire somebody to go cut that tree down. See, we just think in natural terms. We don't put this kind of an importance on words. But your words are releasing either life or death. He said, whosoever will say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart you got to say without doubting, but you have to believe that what you say comes to pass. Then you will have whatsoever you say. But the key is you got to believe that your words come to pass. And when you sit there and somebody says something and you say, oh, well, that tickled me to death or that scared me to death, and you just say all of these stupid things that we say and we, we say, you know, I'm going to be there at 7 o'clock. And you don't even leave home until 7 o'clock. <laughs> you don't keep your word. You don't believe in the power of words. You will promise people that, oh, I'm going to do this, and you might or might not do it depending on how you feel. Most of us don't believe in our words. And you have to believe that your words come to pass. You're going to have to change some things. You're going to have to get to where when you say you'll be somewhere at 7 o'clock, you will be there at 7 o'clock. And if you have to leave 30 minutes early to guarantee that you're there, you will do it. If you tell somebody that you're going to do something, the Bible says a godly man will swear to his own hurt and change not. I know many of you think I'm prying now. But I'm telling you, when you say things that you don't even mean, you don't ever intend to keep them, somebody comes up and says, does this dress make me look fat? <laughs> and you say, oh, no, not at all. And then you walk off and you didn't mean a word that you said. You know, I've told people before, when they ask me something like that, I'll say, uh, you don't want to know what I've got to say. I'll try and be polite, but I'm not going to lie to somebody. If somebody says, does this make me look fat? I'll say, yes. <laughs> I'm not mean about it. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to lie and say something I don't mean. That's the reason I don't have a lot of friends. But I'm telling you, we just, we, we say things. You know, the boss comes in and says, have you got this report done yet? Oh yeah, I've got it done. Let me find it. I'll be in there in just a few minutes. And then boy, you try and write it down. You've just lied. 
And you know, every time you do that, you teach your heart that you can't believe a thing this guy says. And yet Jesus says you have to believe that what you say comes to pass. Man, if you sit there and say, well, you know, I think I'm taking a cold. I would never say that because I don't believe I'm taking a cold. I'll sit there and say, I think I'm taking a healing. <laughs> I think things are going to get worse. I wouldn't say that. I'm not going to say those kind of things. I don't believe that stuff. You have to get to where you start speaking what you want to come to pass based on the Word of God and you start using your words for positive things. I prayed with dozens of people there tonight and we prayed with people with cancer and different things, brain tumors, different stuff. And you know what I'd do? I'd talk to them. And I'd say, lungs, you are healed. Cancer, I kill you with my words. In the name of Jesus, cancer, die. And some people think that's weird. That's weird. You're talking to cancer like it could hear you. The Bible, you know, this says that Jesus answered the fig tree and said. That means that before he talked to the fig tree, the fig tree had talked to him. He answered it. The fig tree was talking. It was saying that it had fruit when it didn't. This is the reason Jesus cursed it. He was the creator. He made fig trees to bear figs before they put out leaves. It wasn't time for figs yet, but it wasn't time for leaves yet. If this fig tree had leaves, it was supposed to have figs. And when Jesus went to it, it wasn't there. It was a pervert. It wasn't operating the way he made it. He was totally within his rights as the creator to talk to it. It had spoken to him that it had figs and it lied. And so he turned around and cursed it. No man will eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And just his words killed it because he believed that what he said would come to pass. He's the one that spoke the worlds into existence. He's the one that said, let there be light. And boom, there was light. You have this creative power on the inside of you. This is one of the dominant things that sets us apart from animals is that we have the ability to speak. But there is so much unbelief, so much negative, so much lies, so much exaggeration that is spoken all of the time that most of us have just lost this concept and we don't know that your words produce death or life. And since we don't speak very much life, we just speak death all of the time. Most of us are hung by our own tongue. It's your own words that are killing you. Every time somebody asks you how you are, you tell them how bad you feel, what the doctor said. You think, I'm going to die. And you just speak death out of your mouth. You can use your words to release life and to release power. There's power in your words, but you've got to mean it with your heart. This is the reason that when you say something like that tickled me to death, it's the reason you don't fall over dead because you have to say it with your mouth and believe it in your heart. And you didn't believe it in your heart, so it loses its power. It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 10, with the heart man believes and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You have to say it with your mouth and believe it with your heart. And that's the only thing that's kept all of us from just dying instantly the way that we talk. But if you keep saying it, faith comes by hearing and hearing 
by the Word. And if you keep saying negative things long enough, it will eventually begin to start making you believe it. You believe what you hear, and if you hear a lie often enough, you'll go to believing it. You've got to get to where we start taking the Word of God and speak according to the Word. And here's the main point that I was wanting to get to. Believe it or not, I'm just now getting there. <laughs> if you understand what I've said up until this point, here is a subtle point in that verse that many people miss. But Jesus said, Whosoever will say unto your mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith will come to pass. He will have whatsoever he saith. It's not, it's not only important the words that you say, and you've got to believe them, but it's important who or what you're speaking to. Most people go to God and talk to God about their problem. They say, oh, God, the doctor says I'm going to die. God, the doctor says I've got two months to live. Lord, I've got this pain. And we talk to God about all of these problems. This did not tell you to talk to God about your problem. It told you to talk to your mountain, which is your problem. You've got to talk to your problem. And somebody says, what's the significance of that? The Lord didn't tell you to talk to him about it. This is implying, if you would stop and think about it, that God has already placed his power on the inside of you. You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead already living on the inside of you. And instead of going to God like, oh God, would you please do something about this? You do something about it with the power that God has given you. This implies that you understand the authority that God has given us as believers. And instead of saying, oh God, please heal me, instead you say, in the name of Jesus, body, I talk to you and I command you to get in line with the Word of God. You curse cancer. You curse sickness. You kill it with your words and then you use your words to release the anointing of God and let the anointing in the life of God flow through me. See, you don't even talk to God. You take His power, you believe what He said, and you use it against your problem. I ministered to a woman in Charlotte, North Carolina back, I don't even know how many years ago, over, uh, I'm sure it was at least 10 or 11 years ago. And this woman had some kind of problem and she had pain in her body. The doctor said that on a scale of 1 to 10, her pain was a constant 11 and it had been that way for seven years. They said she would die three years into the thing. So she was still alive, but just barely. And the only way she could exist, she had sewn magnets into a blanket and then she had taped magnets all over her body and she put this blanket around her and somehow or another this magnetic field diminished her pain and that's the only way she was able to survive. And she was just, she was nearly totally invalid. And so a friend of mine, uh, I was staying at their home and she invited this woman over to her house and this woman came in and sat down and I started talking to her and the first thing she said, she says, I know that God has put this on me to get glory out of it. I know he's got some purpose in me suffering. And so the first thing I did was start countering all that doctrine that no, God did not put this on you. This is the devil trying to steal from you. God didn't do it, nor did he allow it. 
And then she says, oh, but he's getting glory out of this. And then I dealt with that. And I, I just countered. She was a Presbyterian. And she, I just countered all of her stuff for about like 45 minutes. And finally, she got to the point where I believe that it's God's will for me to be well and that this is not God's will. And she says, I'm going to receive it when you pray for me. So I prayed for her and I commanded all of this pain to leave her. And I just took authority and spoke to pain, spoke to her body and commanded her to be well. And when I got through, I said, so how do you feel? And she stood up, she took the blanket off and she says, I don't have any pain. It was the first time in seven years that she had been pain free. And she says, but I've got a stinging right here in my back, right where my waist is. Why did the stinging stay? I said, you didn't tell me you had a stinging. I spoke the pain. I said, watch this. And then I took her hands and I said, stinging in the name of Jesus, I command you to be gone. And it all left. And so you know what I did? I took these exact verses I've ministered from tonight and for about 25 minutes, I taught her that here is the way you do it. I said, if you ever have another pain or another stinging come back, it doesn't mean you weren't healed or that you lost your healing. It's just, you know, it's like the devil knocking on the door. He can give you a pain. That doesn't mean that you're sick because you have a pain. It's the devil seeing how you'll respond to it. And if you just say, no, in the name of Jesus, I was healed. Romans eleven twenty nine. 29, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. If I was healed, I am healed. I'm not accepting it. And if you resist that, it'll leave. And I said, the devil might knock on your door a couple of times, but just resist it the way that I did. And I taught her how to speak to her problem and all of these things. So anyway, after about 25 minutes, this woman was just praising God. I mean, she had been in, she had, her whole life was ruined and now she was totally free and she was praising God. So after about 25 minutes of that, she was leaving and she put her hand on the doorknob to open up the door and she stopped and looked around and she says, the stinging's back. And I said, I just taught you what to do, so I'm not going to pray for you. I said, I'll join hands and you pray. And you got to remember, this woman was a Presbyterian an hour before this. <laughs> And this is nearly word for word what this woman said. She said, Father, I thank you that you are not the one putting this sickness on me, that it is your will for me to be well. By the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. And if I was healed, I am healed. I claim my healing in Jesus' name. Man, that's pretty good prayer for a person who had been a Presbyterian a few minutes before. But you know what? You won't get healed with a prayer like that. That's not a good prayer. It's good things that she said. There's nothing wrong. It's good to say it. But that's not what the Lord told you to do. And so after she got through praying, I said, so do you still have the burning? And she says, yes. Why do I have the burning? I said, because you didn't do what the Lord told you to do. She says, well, what am I supposed to do? I said, it said, speak to your mountain. You talk to God about your mountain. Talk to your mountain about God. Talk to stinging. And she says, you mean I'm supposed to say stinging and talk to stinging? And I said, yes. She says, I'll do it. So I joined hands with her again and she goes, she got mad. She says, stinging in the name of Jesus. And that's as far as she got. And she says, it's gone. <laughs> Thank you.
And that's been 10 or 11 years ago, and that woman has had it come back a few times, and all she did was say, stinging or pain, I command you to go, and it's left. And for 10 years, she's been walking totally healed of all of that. There are some of you that are going, and oh God, please heal me. Oh God, please touch me. You haven't talked to your pain. You hadn't talked to that cancer. You haven't talked to this you know, joint. You hadn't talked to arthritis. You hadn't talked to whatever it is. You talked to God about it and you begged God as if he has done nothing. I know that, you know, because, of our, because we don't know, God has mercy on us. And ignorance excuses us from some, you know, from maliciousness. But brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, it's an insult when we go to God as if he has done nothing. God, you could do it, but you have done nothing. Would you please move? That is actually insulting God. He's already risen from the dead. And Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, I've quoted this verse three or four times tonight, but it says that you have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead already living on the inside of you. It's not out there somewhere. It's in you. And when you go and, oh, God, would you please hit me? You're, an ins you're insulting God. You are saying that I don't believe that what your word says is true. I don't feel it. I don't have a goosebump, And so I must not have it. It's not in the feeling realm. It's not in the physical realm. It's in the spiritual realm. And you have to believe. But I'm telling you that you have this power and if you would retrain yourself, it's going to take a while because many of us have spent 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years teaching ourselves that our words don't mean a thing, that there's no power in our words, and you don't believe there's power in your words, and it may take a period of time for you to retrain yourself. You're going to have to start catching yourself, telling people one thing and doing another. But if you would retrain yourself and get to where you not only use your words correctly, but you start condemning all of these words that come against you and speak things contrary to the Word of God and get to where you don't listen to people's doubt and unbelief. And if you would do this, you could get to a place to where you can say, I prosper. I don't care what happens in this economy. I don't care what the doctor says. By his stripes, I'm healed. I don't care what this situation is. I will not be afraid. And you could get to where you could start releasing the power of God by your words. That's what Jesus did. Jesus spoke the worlds into existence. He spoke this fig tree dead. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth from the dead. He spoke and told eyes to see. He spoke and it came to pass and he told us, whosoever will do what I've done and believe in your heart and not doubt, but believe that the words that you speak come to pass, you will have whatsoever you say. That's not what I said, that's what Jesus said. And I know that this is so ingrained into most of us that you just are going to say, I can't receive this, I reject it. But this is what the Word says. I don't know how you get around it, but the sad fact is very few people let the Word of God get in the way of what they believe. I'm telling you what the Word says. If you don't want to accept this, you don't have to accept it. God loves you, and you can still go to heaven, and you can get there quicker. 
because you're going to die along the way. You can still go to heaven. I'm not mad at you and God's not mad at you. But I'm telling you, if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, and if you would like to start seeing the supernatural power of God operating in your life, you need to receive the things that Jesus shared in this passage of Scripture and receive the things that I've been relating to you tonight. God has given us His supernatural power and it's voice activated. If you don't gain control of your tongue, you're going to be hung by your tongue. Your tongue is killing you. The tongue of other people is killing you. Don't let people curse you and say these things. You know, the Bible says, bless and curse not. That's not talking about using profanity, saying dirty words. Curse not is saying things like, oh man, I know if I wash my car, it's going to rain. <laughs> you just cursed yourself. It could be in a drought, but if you wash your car, it's going to rain because nothing good ever happens for you. Everything always goes bad. No, I never win anything. I never get anything. You know what you're doing? You're cursing yourself. You curse yourself constantly with your words. They're curses. Most of us think curses are when a witch puts some kind of a pin in a doll and you do voodoo. Well, that's a curse, but you curse yourself. You curse other people all of the time. This person's going to die. They'll never make it. You know, I went and prayed for a woman. She came to my meeting in Charlotte, North Carolina, and she was just about gone. The doctors had said she was supposed to die two or three weeks before, had cancer. And she had just seen me on television two or three days before, and her family drove hundreds of miles and brought her, and none of them had seen me over a week. But they got so encouraged by hearing some of the testimonies and stuff that they came to my meeting. She was so weak, she couldn't come to the meeting. I had to go up to her hotel room, and she was on so many painkillers and stuff that she couldn't stay awake. She'd try and talk to me, and she'd start making a sentence, and she'd fall asleep. She was in a wheelchair, and she was skin and bones, down to about 60 pounds. And she was just about gone, and she couldn't even stay awake. She'd fall asleep while she was talking. Nobody knew the first thing about speaking to your problem, believing God, or anything else. I tried to minister to them, and they didn't have any foundation for anything I was saying. So anyway... I just went ahead and prayed for her. I spoke life into her, commanded the healing power of God to come, and then we had to turn around and go. We had a meeting to go to. And as we were leaving, I came this close to telling the guy that I was with, it's too little, too late. She's not believing God. That woman's going to die. But you know, based on what we were talking about tonight, I knew better than to say it. But that's what I felt. And I've seen a lot of people that I prayed for die because they just didn't know how to receive and stuff. It's not just an automatic process. So anyway, I started to say it and I decided I'd just bite my lip and not say anything. And I didn't say anything. And three weeks or three months later, we were in Houston and this woman comes running down the aisle and jumps up on this platform. She says, do you remember me? And I said, no. She says, I'm the woman you prayed for in Chicago up in the hotel room. That woman was healed. Had gained 20 or 30 pounds. It was awesome. And if I would have spoken out my unbelief, 
That would have just negated those positive words that I spoke. I know some of you don't believe that. And you're entitled to your opinion, but I'm not going to agree with you or we'd both be wrong. I'm telling you, this is what the Word of God says. It's not easy, but it's as simple as what I said tonight. One of the hardest things you will ever do is bridle your tongue in the midst of a perverse world that doesn't hold these values and doesn't agree with any of this. It'll be hard to get to where you live this way, but you can do it. It's as simple as what I've described, and praise God, you can do it. But it says over in James chapter 3 that no man can bridle the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God and curse men who are made in His image. It's like a fire and it sets on fire the course of nature and it's set on fire of hell. All of those words are said about your tongue in James chapter 3. So you can't tame it just on your own. You can't just sit there and say, well, I agree with Andrew and from now on I'm going to start talking right. You can't control your tongue by yourself. You need the power of God. You have to have God tame your tongue. And let me just say that this is one of the most important reasons for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. When you speak in tongues, you are saying words that don't make a lick of sense to your brain. And if you are a carnal person that just goes by your own thinking, if you lean unto your own understanding, you will never speak in tongues because it's foolishness. It's crazy to the natural mind. But the Bible says that when you're speaking in tongues, you're praying the hidden wisdom of God. Your spirit is praying to God, which has this life in you. Speaking in tongues, one of the reasons it's so powerful is because it makes you get out of your mind and you have to start walking in the spirit because it is foolishness to your mind. Your mind doesn't know what's going on. It pushes you into a realm of faith that you can't get any other way but by speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is one of the most important things that you can do. And I hadn't got time to teach on the whole thing tonight, but I'm telling you that it's one of these things that we're talking about. If you would speak in tongues, not just, you know, for a phrase, not because you're in a service and you felt a goosebump go up and down your spine, but you speak in tongues for an hour at a time, two hours at a time, it forces you into a realm of God that you can't get without speaking in tongues. The Bible says in Jude chapter 1, verse 20, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That's talking about praying in tongues. When you are praying in tongues, you are building yourself up on your most holy faith. It's the highest form of faith. It's powerful. And I know some of you think, well, I don't believe in speaking in tongues. Well, I do. I believe that the Bible teaches it. Some of you think, well, I didn't know you were one of those. You don't scream and spit and have a, you know, a, a handkerchief wiping your brow and say glory to God. Duh. I didn't know you were one of those kinds. And so you came here under false pretenses. But I'm telling you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit totally changed my life. I used to be so introverted I couldn't look at a person in the face and talk to them. 
And when I received the baptism and started speaking in tongues, it just was like flipping a switch. It was like releasing power on the inside of me. There are some of you that have heard my testimony about my son being raised from the dead, about other things. I think my wife might have been raised from the dead just a couple of months ago. She, we don't know for sure. Nobody checked her out, but I've now seen three and a half people raised from the dead. <laughs> and some of you hear these testimonies about people being raised from the dead and you like the fruit, but I'm telling you, this is the root that produced it. And you're saying, oh, we don't believe in that. You know, if you like the fruit, you're going to have to accept this root. I'm telling you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an important part of everything that God has done in my life. And if you don't have it, you need it. You need this gift of speaking in tongues. Jesus said you would receive power after the Holy Spirit came upon you. Not before, but after. And when they received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And so speaking in tongues is a Bible thing. It's a God thing. And if you don't have that, I can guarantee you this is one of the things you've got to have to tame your tongue. No man can do it by yourself. You need the power of God in you to tame your tongue. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people just like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. You can call our helpline at 719-635-1111. Or you can write us at Post Office Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80934. Remember... You can always listen to Andrew's messages at awmi.net. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.